And uh, if you're new to our feed, I'm Pastor Mitch Horton, and uh, just delighted to have you with us. Uh, we're actually, I'm going through a series, a couple of Wednesday nights uh, a month. We are going through the book of Revelation. We're continuing that. In fact, I'm on lesson 12 tonight, so a couple of things I want to mention. Go to our website. My notes are there. So once you click on victorychurchraleigh.com, click the notes, and the notes are right there. I'm not going to be able to share all the scriptures that are in the notes. I also have some visual aids there that uh, it would be really great if you could see. We'll have them on our screen, but uh, again, they will be really, really great. And again, uh, if you're going to, uh, going to look at the notes and you want to see me as well, you need two devices. So, you know, you got your phone or your iPad or your computer or your iPad, how, whatever configuration you use. Uh, put the live feed on one and then have the notes on the other. And then you can uh, flow together with us and uh, see all the things that we've got available to you. So uh, we're going through the book of Revelation, uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We're all the way to Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. And, um, uh, and so I'm just going to keep going from there. So uh, I'm not going to repeat everything I say. Go to our website. We've got a lot of videos. All the videos from the past lessons there are there. This is, again, lesson 12 on the book of Revelation, and in 12 lessons, we finally got into Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. And uh, how many know, obviously, our world is changing, Jesus is returning soon, and, and you know, the book of Revelation informs us as to what the Scriptures have to say about what the world's going to look like before Jesus comes back, and, and what's going to be coming up in our future, and that's important for us to know. The book word Revelation the, the Greek word is uh, where we get our word apocalypse, apocalypsis, and it really means an unveiling. So I just think it's amazing that, that Jesus loves us enough to show us the future. And so, you know, uh, somebody said to be forewarned is to be forearmed. So, you know, God's kind of showed us things to come so we can be ready. And you want to know what the future is going to look like? Well, the book of Revelation gives us a, a fairly clear picture and the book of Revelation is all about God bringing, bringing the earth back to where it was before Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, ever sinned. Before there was a, before there was a sin, before, before there was a problem, before the earth became a fallen place with all of the challenges that we have. God wants to bring the earth back to that place. And so the book of Revelation is all about literally the judgment and justice of God. As God comes back to reclaim the earth that belongs to him. Uh, and to judge his enemies in justice and with his, and with his authority. Satan will be judged, all those that work with him, the fallen angels. And then, and then those, uh, those men and women who choose to forsake God and go his way. All of that, there's a culmination to all of it. The book of Revelation is very clear. And then Jesus comes back. In the middle of all that, Jesus comes back. And he comes back with us, and we're going to be here for a thousand years. It's called the millennial reign of Christ. How exciting is that? And, uh, and, then, uh, and then there's the new heavens and new earth and eternity with God. And here's what's a really amazing thing. God created us to live in human bodies for eternity at the rapture of the church. It's exciting. We get brand new bodies that will exist for eternity. And God created us to live on earth for eternity. So guess what? The way this thing winds up is we get to live on earth for eternity just the way God plans. We'll have access to heaven. We'll be here on earth. We'll have brand new bodies. I just think we have an amazing God, don't you? So I don't know about you. It gives me a lot of encouragement to know uh, that he's planned a great future for us. And you know, we're all right now dealing with the coronavirus thing and 
And, uh, you know, let me just say this. I don't think this is the end of the world. In fact, the Bible never talks about the end of the world. But it does talk about changes and judgments that are coming. And, and, but the earth is going to change. And God's going to rid it of all of the negative elements. And, and it's going to be a glorious, glorious place one day. So, again, what we're dealing with today, you know, I don't think it's... Uh, I, don't, I just think it's something, just a kind of a wake-up call perhaps to the world. I can tell you the people I've talked to, they're really waking up. You think everything's just wonderful and fine, and you think nothing's ever going to change, and then suddenly the whole world is in the same place. I've got friends on other continents who are dealing with exactly the same kinds of lockdowns that we are experiencing here in America. I've got friends in India. I've got friends in Central America. I've got friends in Europe that are dealing with exactly the same thing that we're doing here. And you know what this ought to show us? Get ready. Get ready for Jesus to come back. It ought to point us towards heaven. The most important things aren't things. They're our relationship with each other, our relationship with God, a relationship with Jesus, knowing that you're right with Him. And the good news is God doesn't want us to live in fear. And uh, so because God has shown us the future through the book of Revelation, we can live with confidence that He's got things in His control and that as we cooperate with Him, He'll work His plans out in our lives and in the world at large. And it's an exciting time. Here's something that Jesus said real quickly here, and I'll move on. Luke 21, 25 through 27. This is Passion Translation. Expect to witness amazing and perplexing signs throughout the universe with the sun, the moon, the stars, the raging of the sea will bring desperation and turmoil to many nations. And Jesus is talking to there about things that we're going to read about as we go through the chapters of the book of Revelation. Earthquakes, he says, verse 26 of Luke 21, will bring panic and disaster. When men, what men see coming to the earth will cause the fear of doom to grip their hearts, for they will even see the powers of the heavenly realm shaken. And then at last, when you see how the Son of Man comes, surrounded with a cloud, with great power, miracles, and the radiance of His splendor, and with great glory and praises. It will make you jump for joy. I love that. For the day of your full transformation has arrived. So, you know, we've got some really great things ahead of us. Yes, there's some turmoil coming to this planet. And again, this is just previews. This is a very small preview of things that the world may be facing at large in the, uh, in the years to come. So, again, because... Uh, because God has revealed to us what's coming, it, it takes away the fear of the unknown. And I'll tell you what it does in my life, because I know, I just kind of have a gist. It may not work, you know, every, every single thing we say not, might, just, might not be just exactly perfect the way it's going to work out. But we have a fair idea of what's coming. And because you know that, you know, just, for me, it just gives me confidence that, that God's, God's got things in His care. And that he's caring for me. And then I can trust the Spirit of God to, to guide me, to direct me. And when, when anomalies come like the coronavirus, and when things come like this that are out from under our control, that just set modern life, uh, you know, crazy. You know, God's got this thing. So for me, it just lets me know I'm all right and I'm going to be okay. And so if this, if, if this time right now produces, you know, in you, and, and for some people it does, a lot of fear and you don't know what the future holds. Listen, God's got this, and God's got you. And, and as we go through this, you're going to see that there's a plan and a pattern that God is going to bring the world through. For me, it just, 
I don't know, it brings me personal hope, uh, stability, and then when things happen, I'm, you know, I say, okay, I know he said things are going to happen, so I don't get upset about it, it just lets me know Jesus is coming back. It lets me know the Bible is true. You know, over 43 years ago, when I made Jesus Lord, um, you know, I had read the Bible all my life, but, but when I really committed my life to Jesus, particularly when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I tell you the the Word of God take on, took on new significance. And, and then when I saw that God does every single single thing He says, and then all these years I've walked with God in my adult life, over 43 years, I've just seen so many things that He said come to pass in my lifetime. It's amazing. It lets you know that if God said it, put it in the bank. It's more sure than money that you own. It's more sure than the house you live in. It's more sure than anything you have. The Word of God is forever settled in heaven, and we can have confidence that God's going to take care of us. So what we're doing tonight, I'm going to take a brief pause at Revelation 4. We paused last week. What I want to do is just give us a bird's-eye view of where we're going as we get into Revelation 4, Revelation 5, Revelation 6, uh, Revelation 7, 8, 9, 10. These are some really interesting chapters, and there's some huge things that are going to take place. There are there are, seal, there are seals that are broken on a scroll in God's right hand. We're going to look at that. There are, are trumpets that sound that, that bring judgments to the earth. We're going to look at that. There are, there are what the Bible calls bowl or laver judgments that are coming. There's seven of all three of those things I just mentioned. And, and they all do something on the earth. And it's all to rid this planet of corruption and bring back to this planet the glory of God. And bring back to this planet the purity and holiness with which God originally created it to be. And it's just really an amazing thing. So we're taking a little pause. And <coughs> what I want to do is just show you a sequence. There, there seems to be a sequence of events. And as we get into this, you're going to see that Scripture agrees with Scripture, both Old Testament, Gospels, New Testament, as well as the book of Revelation. Man, there's just a, there's like a, a woven stream that goes through so many books of the Bible, and the Holy Spirit's the author of the Scriptures, and because He is, He's given revelation to people that sometimes are separated by 2,500 plus years. It's amazing what God has done and the revelation the Holy Spirit has brought. So, as I mentioned last week, and I'm going to get right into this, if you'll notice in your notes, I've got a little chart there. It says the pre-wrath rapture of the church in Daniel's 70th week. Well, there are a series of events that are going to occur, you know, as, as Jesus comes back. I mentioned last week that Jesus' coming is sequential, and the Greek word means a coming that, 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 that encompasses all kinds of different things that will be happening as Jesus comes back. And so we talked about that last week. And uh, this week, as you look on the chart that right there, if you'll look at the bottom, it says Antichrist signs a covenant. And then right there in, in large writing on that timeline, it says the beginning of sorrows. We're going to look at what all this means tonight. And then up at the top of that little chart, at the bottom, you know, the little line that goes where it says beginning of sorrows. And then there's a, there's a line there that says midpoint. We'll talk about that tonight. The great tribulation, what is that? We'll talk about that tonight. The pre-wrath rapture of the church, we're going to talk about that. And then God's wrath, or, or what the Bible terms the day of the Lord. Most, most believers today have never heard of these things because a lot of people don't talk about it. They're afraid to get people confused. But, you know, the Bible's not confusing. 
if you just let the Holy Spirit take charge and let Him talk to you. So again, I realize that not everything I say people are going to agree with. There are a lot of wonderful people that are smarter than me, more educated than me, that disagree with some of the things I say, and I think that's perfectly okay. You may not see eye to eye with everything I talk about in the book of Revelation, but I'm giving you the illumination that God's given me, and, and you ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. If you disagree, at least have an open mind and hear the thoughts that the Lord has given me. And I think the Lord, somewhere along, somewhere in the middle of that, will minister life to you, even if you don't see eye to eye. So let's talk about some of these things for a little bit. I mentioned last week, um, you know, God gave Daniel, man, 2,500 years ago, uh, an amazing illumination of the end times. He gave, God gave Daniel 490 years of Israel's future from the time that Daniel was born and, and Israel was in captivity when Dan, Daniel was a young man and he spent most of his life away from God's, uh, the land that God had given his people. It's called Babylonian captivity in the Bible. And, and, uh, but God, at the end of Daniel's life, gave him an illumination of what 490 years of Israel's future will look like. How many know that God made a, cut a covenant with Abraham and God promised Abraham that he would have a supernatural offspring, and through that offspring, all of the nations of the earth would be blessed. That's where the Messiah came. Our Messiah, the Lord Jesus, came from the nation of Israel. So God's not through with that nation. A lot of people think he is. A lot of, a lot of uh, uh, Jewish people don't believe that Jesus is Messiah. They've been blinded. Their minds have been darkened. But, but uh, God still loves them deeply, and God loves the race from which came our Savior. He's not through with them. So God gave Daniel 490 years of their future. Uh, 483 of those years, I mentioned it last week, have already been fulfilled. And uh, there's just seven more years of Jewish time, I mentioned it last week, that uh, have not yet been fulfilled, that, that, that God told Daniel will be fulfilled. And that's where people commonly say, well, we've got seven years of, and they use the term tribulation. I mentioned this last week. The term tribulation is not even in the Bible. The term, the tribulation is not there. You can't find it. Now, I understand what people are saying when they say it. They're talking about the seven years that Daniel talked about. So I, I call it, uh, God, God showed Daniel 70 weeks of seven years or 490 years. So we typically can also call it Daniel's 70th week. That is the last seven years of Jewish time. As, as, as God brings everything to a culmination on planet earth and Jesus the Messiah returns. So nonetheless, we talked about that a little bit last week. Well, when we talk about this tribulation time or Daniel's 70th week, you can divide that period up into three segments. If you understand this as we go through the book of Revelation, it'll make a lot of sense and you'll find out that many of the things in in uh, the book of Revelation are sequential. Some are parenthetical. That is, something happens, and then, and then God explains what just happened or what's about to happen. But, but you'll, you'll see there's a sequential element to, to the seals that we're going to see that are broken on a scroll. And there's a sequential element to some trumpets that are going to sound. They're called trumpet judgments. We typically call them. And then there's a sequential element to some, some bowl or labor judgments that come a little later on in Revelation 16. 
16. It, it all happens in sequence. And if you can understand, and then you'll see the Old and New Testament scriptures that explain it. It's like, wow, suddenly you understand. I mean, for a long time, listen, the book of Revelation was veiled to me. And it's like, this is so confusing. How can anybody ever understand? But Jesus said, blessed are those that read this book. And if you'll just read it, the Holy Spirit can give some real enlightenment. So, I don't know, I read it about once a month now, and it's an exciting book. And I said, wow, these things are, are really amazing. So, let's look real quickly at the, at the sequence of events that lead up to um, uh, Jesus' second coming here on this timeline. Again, look at the uh, chart that I've got there for you. Uh, the first period here is called by Jesus, the beginning of sorrows. Or some translation in verse tw- in Matthew twenty four call it birth pangs. Well, that is a, se- a, a that is a series of events. They're going to start right at the beginning. Uh, it's also uh, it's amazing that Matthew twenty four and Revelation chapter six those two chapters are like sister chapters, parallel chapters, and and, and Jesus is explaining in Matthew twenty four what's going to happen before he comes back, and then Jesus with John. Uh, the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos, he explains similar things right there in, in uh, Revelation chapter 6. It's just incredible, and it's really interesting. So this period of time, typically called the tribulation or, or Daniel's 70th week, um, begins with some kind of a peace treaty made with this person this person that really wants to rule the world, the Bible calls him the man of sin. It calls him the Antichrist. He's popularly known by that. And uh, somehow he's going to be able to bring together the Jews and their enemies, and, and they're going to make some kind of agreement. And we know that from Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. This is New Living Translation. The ruler, and that's talking about the Antichrist, will make a treaty with a people that is the Israelites, for a period of one set of seven. That is a week of seven years. Seven years. And he says, uh, but after half this time, that is three and a half years into it, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. Now that's kind of interesting there. Seems to indicate that something's going to happen in the Jews are going to be able to rebuild their temple. There have been two Jewish temples. There was the original Solomonic temple uh, built by Solomon. And then uh, there was the Herodian temple that was built around Jesus' time. Both were really gaudy and ornate, and both of them were destroyed. But the Bible seems to indicate this verse right here. Something's going to happen, and, and, uh, and perhaps there's going to re- be a rebuilt Jewish temple and, they're gonna, and the Jews, because they don't believe that Jesus is their Savior yet, they're still looking to Old Testament sacrifices and animal blood to cleanse their sin. They're going to start making their sacrifices again. And, and somehow when the Antichrist makes a peace treaty between the, 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 uh, the nations that don't like Israel, basically the Arab states and Israel, some kind of treaty, we don't know what it is. Uh, but once that happens, that part of that will be they'll be able to rebuild their temple and, and do what they've, they've done for generations, that is, offer their, their sacrifices. And so that's going to happen first three and a half years. But in the middle of that, that's what it says here, uh, he will put an end to sacrifice and offerings. And then it says, and as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacra, 
religious object that causes uh, desecration. The King James Version, you've often heard this, the abomination of desolation. What is the abomination of desolation? And you go back in history, it's just really interesting. 168 B.C., Antiochus Epiphanes was a, was a ruler, and uh, he came into the Jewish temple, uh, the, the Jewish place at the time, and, um, and desecrated the temple. Uh, you know, Jews don't like pork. It's an unclean animal. Pigs are unclean. He took, he took a pig into the temple, slaughtered the dude. Then he set up a pagan god in the temple. The Bible calls that the abomination of desolation. And the Bible seems to indicate the Antichrist is going to do something similar to what Antiochus Epiphanes did all of those years ago. And he's going to desecrate that temple. That is, he's going to be a friend of Israel by signing a peace treaty. There it is. You can see it on the chart. Antichrist signs covenant. And then three and a half years into it, he's going to break that covenant. So this verse 27 of Daniel uh, 9 says, He will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. Jesus, when he comes back in his second coming, is going to whip him really bad. I mean, just by saying words, he'll hit the dirt and he'll die. So... You know, these things are going to come to pass. So let me say this. Uh, many people believe that when the Antichrist makes this peace treaty mentioned in Daniel nine twenty seven, that we're going to be raptured immediately. And, and, and a large segment, <coughs> excuse me, a large segment of the Western church, particularly in America, they, they, don't, they, they believe that the moment that happens, we're out of here. The reason they believe that is, and when I say they, I believe that. I preached this for 25 years, 10 years ago. I, God put me into the deep study of Daniel, of the book of Revelation, of what Jesus said about end times. And, and, and I saw that, that, that I don't think the rapture is going to occur. A lot of people, you may be watching, you say, well, I know what's going to happen when that peace treaty is signed. Well, I hope it does, but if it doesn't, come and talk to me. Or come and listen to this MP3 or MP4 again because you want to hear what's going to be happening. Uh, there, there's nothing in Scripture that says the rapture will occur then. In fact, the reason people say that is they believe that whole seven years that God revealed to Daniel of Jewish time that's yet to be completed that we call tribulation, Daniel's 70th week. They believe the whole thing is the wrath of God. Now, now a lot of people listen. You may be watching this, right? That whole thing's the wrath of God, and, and we're not going to be here when the wrath of God is poured out. And, and, you know, I believe that at one time too. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain mercy, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not appointed to wrath. Why? Jesus took our wrath. When Jesus became my sin, Jesus took God's wrath for me. And Jesus took God's wrath for you. That's the reason the scripture says we're not appointed to wrath. And then Romans chapter 5 verse 9. Much more than having been justified by his blood will be saved from wrath through him. And so again, a lot of people believe this whole seven year period is the wrath of God. But can I submit to you that I don't believe the whole thing is the wrath of God. Part of it is the wrath of man. 
Part of it is the wrath of the Antichrist as he persecutes Jews and Christians. During, he'll persecute them during that first three and a half years. And then once he desecrates that rebuilt Jewish temple, Jesus called that the Great Tribulation. And then he really seriously begins to kill Jews and Christians that are on earth in large numbers. So there is persecution that is coming. But again, it's the persecution of man. I mean, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 12, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Jesus said in Matthew 5, as he talked about the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are you when people, you know, call you all kind of names and persecute you on account of me. He said, if they've persecuted me, they'll persecute you. So nothing in the Bible says that we're immune from the wrath of man or human persecution. In this first part of this seven years, it's, it's the persecution of man. It's the persecution of the Antichrist. We're not immune from that. And things could get pretty ugly before the rapture of the church occurs. But it's not the wrath of God that we're enduring it's the wrath of this man called Antichrist and the religious system he's got set up. And because we disagree with him and his ideologies, he's upset with Jews and Christians. And, and some will give their life for that. So, again, uh, those that believe that uh, the rapture will occur, the pre-tribulation rapture, as people call it, the main reason they do is because of what I just said. They believe that whole seven years is the wrath of God. We're going to see tonight, really quickly, the wrath of God doesn't happen to, until just about the end of this seven-year period, just the last couple of years of it. And it's called the Day of the Lord. So if you'll look again at the chart, there it is clearly. The beginning of sorrows, the midpoint when the abomination of desolation occurs, the great tribulation, then the day of the Lord. So let's go a little further here. Look at Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 8. This clearly identifies and explains the birth pangs or the beginning of sorrows, as it says there on the chart. And this is Passion Translation. I use this translation. It's a modern translation because it just makes it so clear as to what that time is going to look like. Once the Antichrist makes the peace treaty with Israel, it'll be a pseudo-peace. It'll be a false peace. And then during that time, here's what Jesus said. The first few years of that, here's what Jesus said. At uh, that time, deception will run rampant, so be aware that you're not fooled. Many will appear on the scene claiming uh, my authority or saying about themselves, I'm God's anointed, and they will lead many astray. Verse 6 You'll hear of wars nearby, revolutions on every side, with more rumors of wars to come. And he says, don't panic or give in to your fears. For the breaking apart of the world system is destined to happen. Now, you know, that, ha that turns your head, doesn't it? Man, look what's happening today. He says the breaking apart of the world system is yet to come. We, ha we haven't seen it yet. This is previews, guys. God's just showing us some things. Perhaps, perhaps. He says, but it won't yet be the end. It's still unfolding. Nation will go to war against uh, each other. Nations will. And kingdom against kingdom. He says, and there will be terrible earthquakes. Seismic events of epic proportions. And earthquakes have been increasing the last number of decades of my life for sure. And he says they're even going to get worse. And there will be terrible Earthquakes, seismic events of epic proportions, horrible epidemics and famines in place after place. This is how the first contractions 
and birth pangs. King James Version calls it the beginning of sorrows. This is the beginning of sorrows of the new age. He says that's how it will begin. The second period in this time. Now Jesus turned the great tribulation. Uh, I tell you what, I almost said I'll give you $1,000. And I got it to give you. If you can find in the Bible the term the tribulation. You can't find it. Now Jesus talked about the great tribulation. And here it is. But it doesn't call that whole time period the tribulation. Nowhere in Scripture. It doesn't. It's Daniel's 70th week. But because everybody knows it as the tribulation, I'll use the term tribulation, but you know what I mean, right? So here, here, midpoint, the Antichrist will desecrate the Jewish temple. And then man, he shows his true colors, who he really is. There's intense persecution of both Jews and Christians you know, primarily perhaps in the Middle East, and, and this is what we really, <coughs> excuse me, don't know. It may encompass parts of the globe or the whole world. We, we, really, we really just don't know. But again, this thing is coming, and, um, and here it is. Let's look at it. Matthew 24, again, Passion Translation. Jesus gives some indicators of what that period of time is going to look like. So what I'm about to read is talking about the great tribulation. Here it is, uh, verse 9 of Matthew 24, Passion Translation. You can expect to be persecuted, even killed, for you will be hated by all nations because of your love for me. Now, we, we in the West, in America, think we're immune from persecution. Friends, we're not. And, and I wouldn't want to think that we would ever get to the point that we may have to be martyrs for the faith, but who knows what's going to happen in the future and how things are going to take a turn. That's the reason you need to pray, you need to vote, we need to elect godly people that, that love God like you do and, and, that, and that, you know, just, just, just want to do the right thing or else, you know, you could be a part of this. So he says again, verse 10, many will stop following me and fall away and they will betray one another and hate one another. He says the time's coming that Christians will fall away from the faith. Why? Because of the serious things that are happening. They can't believe it would happen to them. You know, I, I'm really concerned about... People who, like me, believe that the rapture is going to whisk us away before all this kind of stuff happens. You could get really, really disillusioned if you think that. And then when, when serious things begin to happen, you can think, well, well, how could God let this happen to me? Hey, hey, we're not immune. Who are we? It happened, it's happening in the rest of the world. Jesus said, if they hate me, they'll hate you. If they obey me, they'll obey you. What they did to me, they'll do to you. So, you know, we kind of need to get over ourselves in America. I think the truth is. So he goes on to say, many lying prophets, verse 11, will arise deceiving multitudes and leading them away from the path of truth. There will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. And my friend, that's happening right now. That's the reason, if you're listening to me, the most important thing you can do is stay in connection with God. Keep your connection close with Jesus. Keep sin out of your life. And you know what? This coronavirus thing, this is a great time. You're at home, seek God. Ask Him to talk to you. Ask Him to talk to you about your life and how you're doing and what you value and what you're doing with yourself. Boy, it's, a, it's an amazing thing that Jesus said, those that know Him, some of them will grow cold and fall away in the future. 
I don't want that to be me. How about you? Well, let's seek him now while we can. So he goes on to say, verse 13, but keep your hope to the end. You will experience life and deliverance. Yet through it all, the joyful assurance of the realm of, of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world, providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. I'll have to come back at another time and talk about the preaching of the kingdom of God. It's a little bit different than preaching the grace of God. Preaching the kingdom of God is preaching that God loves you, Jesus is your Savior, but He's coming back, get ready. He said that's going to be preached in all of the world. So he goes on to say, when you witness what Daniel prophesied, the disgusting destroyer, abomination of desecration, of, 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 abomination of desolation, taking its stand in the holy place, let the reader learn. Then those who are in the land of Judah must escape to higher ground. Then he takes a few verses here, and he talks about people who are in Israel proper. They're in the Middle East, and he gives them some things that they need to do in this serious persecution called the Great Tribulation. He'll say it in a minute. When it begins to occur, he gives them some specific directives here. So, so he goes on to say, for those who are in the land of Judah must escape to higher ground. On that day, if you happen to be outside, don't go back inside to gather your belongings. Obviously going to happen rapidly. Don't get your stuff. Run. That's what he's saying to the people that live there. And if you're working out in the field, don't run back home to get a coat. It'll be especially hard for pregnant women and for those nursing their babies in those days. Why? Because they have to run fast. And they have to run perhaps without even preparation. Verse 20, so pray that your escape will not be during the winter months or on a Sabbath. For this will be a time of great misery, great tribulation. That's where he uses that term, King James Version, New King James. Beyond the magnitude of anything the world has ever seen or ever will. You think this is tough? This is nothing compared to what's coming. That's what he said. And then he said this, unless God limited those days, no one would escape. But because of his love for those chosen to be his, he will shorten that time of trouble. And you will hear reports from some saying, look, he's returned. The Messiah's over here or the Messiah's over there. Don't believe it. Verse 24, for there will be imposters falsely claiming to be God's anointed one, and false apostles will arise to perform miracles, uh, miracle signs to lead astray, if possible, those whom God has chosen to be his. Remember this, for I prophesy it will happen. So he goes on to say, still talking about the great tribulation time there, mentioned in verse 21. So if someone says to you, look, the anointed one has returned, he's in the desert, don't go chasing after him. Or if they say to you, look, he's here in our house, don't believe it. And then verse 27, the appearing of the Son of Man will burst forth with the brightness of lightning, of a lightning strike that shines from one end of the sky to the other, illuminating the earth. Verse 28, how do birds of prey know where the dead body is? They just know instinctively, and so you will know when I appear. So again, this great tribulation time, if you look at the chart again, uh, is a time of intense persecution of Jews and Christians particularly in the Middle East, perhaps in other parts of the world. It's according to what the politics of the day allow in each nation and how much influence the Antichrist really has. Time will tell. I think we'll know more as we go that direction. And uh, nonetheless, this terrible time, Jesus said, would be cut short. He said, for the elect's sake. When the Bible talks about the elect, New King James 
King James, other translations, when they use the term, when Jesus used the term elect here in Matthew 24, he's not just talking about Jews, he's talking about Jews and Christians who are here during the, the first part of the reign of the Antichrist. We're going to be here in this great tribulation. It looks like you and I will be here. And again, how much it affects us is it has to do with what our leaders in our nation do. So that's the reason you need to pray and keep yourself ready and prepare for the future. So nonetheless, here it is. Jesus just mentioned the great tribulation. And then, and then the next thing that comes, and that's not on the chart, but Jesus gives, well, the, what is on the chart, it says the pre-wrath rapture. See, God's not appointed believers to his wrath. Jesus took our wrath for us on the cross. And what's coming up next is a time of incalculable wrath from God that will change this planet in some extraordinary ways and will scare the bejeebies out of everybody that's here. The good news about that is we're not going to be here. Jesus said that we're going to be whisked away. the, The term rapture, again, is not in the Bible, but the catching away will be caught up in the air to be with Jesus. We're going to leave this planet, and something really strange is going to happen right, right towards the, the end of this period that Jesus called the Great Tribulation, where Jesus said in verse 21, Matthew 24, he said, except that, that those days are shortened, no saved flesh would be saved. No, no, no believing flesh would be saved. He said, those days are shortened, and then the very end of that time, Jesus comes back. And here, there's a signal for us as believers to know that Jesus is about to come back. And, uh, and so you see where it says right there the two, the, two, uh, the two things that are pointing at each other, the pre-wrath rapture. Well, here's how Jesus said we will know that he's about to come back. We call this cosmic disturbances. I know it's a strange thing to consider. You'll be amazed at how many times in the Bible. We'll come back and examine the rapture of the church in more detail. It's, it's written a bunch of times, more than you would realize that this is going to happen. So listen, here's what Jesus said. Verse 29 immediate, of Matthew 24. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the great tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Now, you know, I've thought about that. I've sat back and just thought. I love the sun. I love to see the sun rise. I love to see it rise in the ocean, uh, over the ocean. I love to see the clouds as they bring hues of light. When the, I just loved, I love the sunset. The sun, I, loved, I love going on a bike ride. I just love looking at the sun. It's beaming down. On, I just love light. Most all of us do. Light is healthy. It does things for us that we need. I love the sun, but one day it's going to get dark. I love the moon. I love to go outside at night and look at the moon. Sometimes it's a quarter moon. Sometimes it's a half moon, a full moon. I just love to see the moon. And then I love to look and see the stars, all the constellations. God has written in the sky some tremendous things. And I think, man, what is man that you're mindful of him? One day, that's going to get dark. And it's a sign to believers that Jesus is about 
to come back. I think it's going to be an eerie time personally when we get to that point, And it's going to let us know. Get your ducks in a row. Get your praying done. Do what you need to do. Make sure you're right with God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Put your priorities in order. Jesus is about to come back. I think God's pretty cool to let us know. So he goes, goes on to say in verse 30, And then at last the sign of the Son of Man is coming, will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the people of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world. world. That exactly uh, parallels and coincides with First Thessalonians chapter 4, the revelation that, that Jesus gave the apostle Paul about the catching away of the saints. A trumpet will sound. Here's the trumpet. So he goes on to say here, and they will gather, the angels will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. This is not the second coming of Christ. Second coming, we're with Jesus, and we come down, we come down and stay on the planet. Here, Jesus comes in the clouds. He's there in the air, and suddenly gravity loses its hold on us. And we go up to meet him. And the angels gather us from all over the world. And we go up and everybody sees Jesus. Why? Because the sun's darkened. The moon's darkened. The stars don't shine. And when Jesus comes, I mean, that's what he says. It's going to be like lightning. When, if you've ever been outside in, a, in an electrical storm, like boom, when the lightning hits, man, it lights up everything. When, that, when Jesus comes back, whoa, what is that in the sky? And every eye will see him. Daniel 7 talks about it. Just amazing, really, really, really. Revelation 6, everybody okay? Watch this. Revelation 6, here's the same thing mentioned. Jesus mentions it to John on the Isle of Patmos. It's parallel to Matthew uh, 24. Watch this. I watched as the Lamb broke the sixth seal. We'll talk about their seals later. There was a great earthquake. The sun became as dark as black cloth. The moon became as red as blood. The stars of the sky fell to the earth like green figs falling from a tree shaken by a strong wind. The sky was rolled up like a scroll and all of the mountains and islands were moved from their places. Then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the general, the wealthy, the, power, the, the powerful and every slave and free person all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried to the mountains and the rocks fall on us. And hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne. And from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to survive? So when Jesus comes back, telltale sign for us as believers that the rapture is about to occur. As this cosmic disturbance has happened. And then when the cosmic disturbances begin to happen. That's when the wrath of God right after that begins to be poured out on this planet. Jesus whisks us away, and then some really, really bad things. Here's a scene. Look at this, Revelation 7. Uh, to save time, I want you to look at verse 9 of Revelation 7. First few verses, there are 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel who actually are marked by God so that they won't be harmed during this terrible, terrible time called the wrath of God. And God wants them to go through it and survive. 
And so they're marked by the angels of God somehow. Maybe it's an invisible mark that only they can see and maybe the devil can see, but they won't be harmed during that time. And then verse 9, now this is really cool. Now think about this. John Guite this, he's on the Isle of Patmos. You know, we've got over 7 billion people on earth right now. They didn't have that many back then. But watch what he sees in heaven. And after this, verse 9, Revelation 7, I look and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. This is people from, this is people from all over the world that are suddenly before the throne of God. What is that? I submit to you that's a scene after the rapture of the church. If you're listening and you're a Christian, you'll be right there. Isn't that amazing? You'll have a white robe on. It stands for righteousness. You won't have a glory. You won't have a, you know, you'll have a glorified body because Jesus has just raptured us away. But you got a robe on. It's pretty cool. It's pretty encouraging. So it goes on to say here, uh, and crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Verse 11. All the angels stood around the throne. The elders, the four living creatures, fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. And these were seen in Revelation chapter 4. These elders and living creatures saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? Now watch this. Listen to this. Where did they come from? Verse 14. Said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. Isn't that interesting? We're going to be there, y'all. Their believers will go through that second part. That second part midway past. After the mid part of that three and a half years of seven years of the Antichrist reign, three and a half years into it. He desecrates the temple, the great tribulation. These people are found there. The cosmic disturbances have happened. The rapture of the church has occurred. And here they are before the throne of God. These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to to living fountains of water. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. My friends, if you know Jesus, you're going to be there. It's pretty exciting. I'll let you read uh, 2 Thessalonians 2 because it talks about the same thing just a different way. The third period, if you look at the chart again, on this chart is called... God's wrath. So let's recap again this seven-year period that's yet to come that God showed Daniel in Daniel 9, 27. It's the last seven years where God deals with the Jewish race and God wraps, wraps up time as we know it now. And at the end of that time, Jesus comes back. It starts with this man called Antichrist making some kind of covenant uh, with the Israelites, between them and their enemies. Now, you know, that may be coming up sooner than we realize. What's it going to look like? I just have a feeling we're going to know when it happens. So if the rapture occurs then, I'm happy, but I have a feeling it won't. 
because of what we just read. Then the first three and a half years of that, Jesus talked about it in Matthew 24, the first eight verses, the, the birth pangs, you know. Uh, my wife's had four children. I was there. I watched the Braxton Hicks contractions, and then I watched as the, as the, bir- as the uh, contractions became closer, 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 closer. That's what it's going to be like, y'all, when, when Jesus comes back. And uh, so it's really an interesting time. And then, and then the Antichrist desecrates the rebuilt Jewish temple. And then the Great Tribulation occurs, mass persecution of Jews and Christians. In the Middle East, perhaps worldwide, uh, many people lose their lives over that. Then the cosmic disturbances, the sun, moon, stars all lose their luster, their light. Then Jesus comes back. We're whisked to heaven. And then after that, after the rapture, God's wrath. God's wrath is called in the Bible the day of the Lord. And if you'll get a hold of this phrase, do a study on your own. I'd say go to the New King James Version or something like that, NIV perhaps, because it'll, it'll mention the day of the Lord. If you'll, if you'll run your references all through the Bible, you'll be amazed at how many times the, the day of the Lord is mentioned both in the Old Testament's the Old Testament prophets as well as the New Testament by Jesus, by Paul, by Peter, and by John in the book of Revelation. You'll be quite surprised. And again, this day of the Lord is, is the day of God's wrath. So again, a lot of people think that the tribulation, those whole seven-year period, is God's wrath. No, no, the first part of it is the wrath of man, the wrath of the Antichrist. We're not immune from the wrath of man. We're not immune from from human persecution. And that's what the first part of this is. But we are immune from the wrath of God. So the passages that talk about the day of the Lord will be in heaven. We will not experience this. But those that are left, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, this is in your future unless you bow your knee and humble yourself to him. This is a, a pretty, pretty serious time. And it's a t- uh, it, it really, the day of the Lord is a, is a time of mass destruction. Nature turns on itself. It looks like meteorites hit the earth. The vegetation dies. Uh, things just go awry just, just with the whole planet in a bunch of ways. And uh, it is the most treacherous time that, that planet earth has ever known in its existence. The reason for it is God's cleansing the earth of all of the sin elements. And he's seeking to get the attention of rebellious humans. And he's letting the demonic forces and the fallen angels know, I'm coming back to regain what belongs to me. And nobody will stand in my way. So it's a really serious time. I'm going to read because I'm going to close. I've got a lot of scripture here that talk about the day of the Lord on your own time. Peruse through these notes and look at this. Take it and look at it in your Bible in different translations. This is a terrible, terrible time. Nobody wants to be here. If you know Jesus, you won't be in this part. Isn't that good news? Man. So the Lord Almighty, Isaiah 2 says, listen, verse 12. The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for all, the, uh, all that is exalted, and they will be humbled, for all the cedars of Lebanon, Lebanon, tall and lofty, and all the oaks of Bashan, and for all the towering mountains and all high hills, for every lofty tower and every fortified wall, for every trading ship and every stately vessel. The arrogance of man will be brought low, and the pride of men will be humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day, and the idols will totally disappear. Men will flee to caves and the rocks and to holes in the ground from the dread of the Lord and the splendor of His majesty when He rises to shake the earth. In that day, men will throw away uh, to the rodents and bats their idols of silver 
uh, of silver and idols of gold which they've made to worship. They will flee to caverns in the rocks and to overhanging crags from, dre- from the dread of the Lord and the splendor of His majesty when He rises to shake the earth. So- stop trusting in man who has but a breath in his nostrils of what account is he. And then Isaiah 13, here it is again, and i got to let you read the rest. Hail for the day of the Lord is at hand. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. It's God's wrath. It's called the day of the Lord. Therefore all hands will be limp, every man's heart will melt, and they will be afraid. Pangs and sorrows will take hold of them. They will be in pain as a woman in childbirth. They will be amazed at one another. Their faces will be like flames. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he will destroy its sinners from it. From the star, for the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth. The moon will not call its light to shine. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make mortal, uh, make a mortal more rare than fine gold, a man more than golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth will move out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. And lastly, I I just want to read this one little brief thing from Amos 5, because it's not a good day, and Amos says it so clearly. Woe to you, Amos 5, 18. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. For what good is the day of the Lord to you? It will be darkness and not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion and a bear met him, or as though he went to a house and, and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. It is not... Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Is it not very dark with no brightness at all? Nothing good happens during this great time of judgment. This parallels. If I go read all these passages I have in the notes, they, they parallel Revelation chapter 8 with the trumpet judgments. There's seven of them. Revelation chapter 9. Revelation chapter 10. It's a serious, serious time, y'all. Also parallels Revelation 16. Go look at what the Bible says will happen on earth. Now when you look at that, understand if you're a Christian, you won't be here. But if you're not a believer, you'll be here to experience this. And my heart aches for anybody that doesn't know the Lord in this, in this time. So my encouragement, make Jesus Lord. Bow your knee to Him. I've got a lot of scripture. I'm going to let you read, read them. The good news about all of this is the church will be in heaven during this time of God's wrath, at the very close of these seven years that God showed Daniel, we typically call the tribulation point, uh, tribulation time. Action points, three things. <laughs> How many know it's time to get close to the Lord? I don't know about you, but uh, man, when I read this, like, man, it's time to get right with God. If you're not right with the Lord, you can tonight. Get involved in Bible reading. Come to, to the Lord. Bow your knee to Him. Read your Bible. Pray. Uh, once churches open up, come. Go to one. Man, get yourself ready. And you know what? When the rapture of the church comes, thank God you can escape this terrible thing called the day of the Lord, the wrath of God. Secondly, let's pray for our family and friends that don't know the Lord, that they'll come to know Jesus. How many people do you work with, I wonder, who, who don't know the Lord? You can tell by their actions and their conduct. Jesus said, by your fruits, people will know you. What kind of life are you living? Do you say that you're a Christian, but you don't really act well? You're acting like everybody else around you. You're doing what they do, that you're behaving the way they behave. Jesus said a lot of people will call me Lord, Lord, but will not do the things that I say. Now's the time to clean it up. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends that don't know the Lord. And if you're you're watching and you don't know him, you can come to know him 
now. I want to encourage you. Jesus is coming back. And this is a small sample of what we're dealing with right now of, of things that will come in the future. Be ready for that. Let me encourage you right now. If you're here and uh, if you're watching and, and, and you, you've never met Jesus as your Savior, I've been there. I know what that feels like. You just, man, you're afraid. You don't know what tomorrow, what's going to happen tomorrow. You can know Jesus now. God loves you for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but, but have eternal life. The Apostle Paul made it really simple for us. He said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. I know what it feels to be away from God. I've been away from God in my life. I remember crying out for mercy. Every day I felt guilty because of what I was saying, what I was doing, the things I was doing with the people I hung out with. You know what? God can forgive and cleanse all of your path, all of your past. In my life, I was filled with such guilt. My personality, it just, it just drove me constantly that I had this sense of guilt and condemnation. When I came to Jesus, I knew that God forgave all of my sins. See, when you come to Jesus, see, God made Jesus, who is the Son of God, the virgin-born Son of God, to be our sin. That is, He took our place in sin. And He paid the divine penalty for human sin. When Jesus went to the cross on Calvary, it's a place in Israel. When Jesus went there, the Bible said God made Him to be our sin. He was made to be every wrong thought, every wrong word, every wrong a action that you've ever committed in your whole life. The Bible says Jesus didn't die for himself, he died for us. And he went to the place we should go, that is hell. He stayed there until God was satisfied that our sin debt was paid. And then the Bible says the Holy Spirit came on Jesus in hell and he was raised from the dead. And now he's seated at the right hand of God in heaven and he ever lives to pray for us. If you're, if you're watching and two things, maybe you've never bowed your knee to Jesus Christ, you need to. And God's given you an opportunity maybe to watch this video, either now or at a later time. But you're watching, and God's dealing with you, and you can sense something happening inside. It's not a good feeling when, when, when conviction of wrong comes inside. It, it feels tough and rough, but it's the Holy Spirit saying, come away from what you're doing. Come away from the darkness you're living in. Come, come away from the words and the thoughts and the actions you're living with. Come away with me. And if you'll pray with me right now, Jesus will come into your life. Maybe you've known the Lord, but as a believer, you've strayed away. You've let the things that affect our culture affect you. God will forgive you. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. And when God forgives sin, he forgets everything we ever did. Pray with me right now. Bow your knee right where you are and pray with me. That's right. Bow it right now. Close your eyes and, and pray with me. Pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you and I humble myself. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for my sin. I've been wrong. I've been living wrong. And today, I place my life at your feet. I place my will at your feet. Forgive my sin. Make me a new person. Holy Spirit, Come and live inside of me. Change who I am. Change my interests and my desires. Make me a new person. Jesus Christ, I give my life to you. And beginning today, I'm going to say it this way. 
You are my Lord. You are my ruler. I give myself to you. Thank you for saving me.